Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. My guest today is Jason Henderson, and we go deep talking about why Jason's son's first two words were so pivotal in his transformation, men's group, and why a supportive community makes it easier to do the work, breathwork, meditation, and inner child work as healing modalities, addictive behaviors to numb discomfort, and how to break the cycle, children as our biggest triggers and teachers, showing up authentically with our children and letting them see us do the work, breaking the chains of generational trauma, and deepening connection with our children through curiosity. Jason Henderson is a men's coach and men's work facilitator at The Boulder Man, whose focus is on helping men transform their lives and follow their hearts and embrace life. Let your heart decide your fate. He is committed to helping men heal their relationship with themselves and others and move forward in their lives with purpose and fulfillment. He operates regularly within the mental health realm as an advocate, as well as facilitating men's groups for men's mental health organizations. He also facilitates men's groups aimed at supporting men to connect, challenge themselves, and heal their conditioning within the setting of other conscious, like-minded men. You can find Jason online on Instagram at the Boulderman, that's B-O-U-L-D-E-R-M-A-N, or online at theboulderman.ca, again, B-O-U-L-D-E-R-M-A-N.ca. I really enjoyed this conversation. Jason is a father. He's gone through enormous life changes over the last number of years, and he was able to really dive in authentically and vulnerably in this conversation, and I learned a lot from him. I love talking to guys like Jason because you can learn so much about a man's life, about his struggles, and about yourself as you see yourself reflected in these stories. So listen to what Jason has to say. Take some of the actions that he has taken if you find yourself sharing some of his struggles along the way. And just know that this whole story, this entire episode, his story, my own story, they're messages of hope. These are ways that men can learn about themselves and go deeper in themselves and eventually heal to come out of whatever dark place you might be in to show up better for yourself, your partner, and your children. So with that, no more ado, let's get into the conversation with Jason. Here we go. All right, I'm here with Jason Henderson. Thank you for joining me, man. Thank you, Kurt. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we uh, we connected uh, over the last couple of months because a mutual friend connected us for uh, breath work for a men's retreat you are uh, looking at hosting. And I just started, started following you on Instagram um, with your, your coaching company. And I just love what I'm seeing, particularly because you're a dad and you're doing this type of deep work. You're doing growth and men's work with other men as a coach. And you've posted something the other day about your transformational journey. And that like, man, I would love to hear more about that because there is like a lot of intensity behind that by the sounds of it. And so I'm, I'm going to just ask that you sort of walk us through your transformation from where you were, including, you know, what country you come from and why your life was in a state that needed to have a transformation. And then maybe just tell the story until, you know, as close to modern day as you want to bring it, because I think this is a fascinating story of growth and courage that a lot of men can get a lot out of. And then we'll go into things like the tools you use and all the rest of that stuff. So, so what is the story of your healing journey? Awesome. Well, thank you, Kurt. I, I really appreciate it. Um, wow. So I grew up in South Africa um, and I spent most of my life there. I think I left when I was about 29 or 30. Um, that was at a point in time where I needed to make a decision um, for the future of myself and possibly kids that I would have in the future as well. Do I want to continue living there, having them grow up in the same environment that I did? 
or would I like to leave the country and possibly have a better future for them? Um, and growing up in the environment that I did, I never felt really comfortable in it. Um, never really knew exactly why, just never felt comfortable in it. Um, there's a lot of hurt and pain that resided in that country for me. Um, and I couldn't really see or foresee um, a healing journey that I really needed in order to come into my own. Um, and so I fled. I packed my bags and I moved to Canada. Um, I moved to Toronto first and I lived there for a couple of years and then quickly discovered that um, that's also not a place that I would like to continue living in. Um, also didn't agree with me and so I left Toronto and I moved to Vancouver and finally found my home. And it took me some time to discover why it was my home. Um, but it was my home because it was open to the possibility of me just being authentically me. And um, it's, it's very much to do with the environment, but also very much to do with how much it enables me to do it. And so growing up, I had a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. Um, I think I've mentioned quite a couple of times as well. I, I have tried to commit suicide as well when I was in my teens, when stuff got really, really bad. Um, and so for me, unfortunately, up to very recently, suicide was never off the table. It was a something that's always in the back of my mind that can really easily just slip in into my thoughts. And so moving to Vancouver went through another dark period of my life um, because I felt extremely lonely. I didn't feel um, supported or loved. I didn't feel as if there is someone that I can truly share with so that I can come more into my own authenticity. Um, I didn't really have friends at that point in time and my marriage was crumbling. Um, I've been in a relationship at that point in time for probably around 11 or 12 years um, and had a son of two years old as well. And it, be, it, it came to a breaking point, uh, a depression breaking point where I could sit in a sea of people and not feel seen, sit in a sea of people and feel utterly alone. And when I was at my lowest, um, my son said his first two words. Um, he said, more daddy. And as soon as he said, more daddy, it's when I made the decision. It's when I made the decision to start taking better care of myself. And despite everything that's going on in my chest and in my mind, to start reaching out. And one of the first things that I did was reach out to a men's group because there was something calling out within me. I didn't know exactly who I was or what direction I needed to take. So I, I really felt lost. I really felt stuck. I really felt as if um, I'm alone and there's nobody that has my back or nobody that can support me, right? Um, and so that's what I did. That was the first step. I reached out to a men's group. I took that courageous step. And I moved into it and it, it really challenged me on, on a lot of different fronts. But um, I think that the, the one thing that it really brought out was, is a lot of more self-awareness. There's a lot of things that, that happened throughout my life that I was conditioned into believing about myself, that I was conditioned into believing about the world um, through a variety of different traumas and events that happened, right? And so 
in order for me to really challenge that and in order for me to really change my life and transform it, I needed to become aware of how it drives my current day thoughts, how it drives my current day perceptions, beliefs. Um, and I think that's, that was an integral step on my, my healing journey, just becoming completely self-aware and looking deeper within it. Because a lot of the times what, what comes up is the feelings of you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that. But there's a deeper level to it that's, that's important for a healing journey. Um, and it's discovering what that deeper level is so that you can work from there to really heal yourself, to really change yourself. And I know that a lot of people say don't look towards the past, only look towards the future and only the present moment. But it becomes extre extremely difficult to look towards the future and the present moment if the past hasn't been healed yet. And so that's where my healing journey started. I needed to go into the past for it. Thank you for sharing that. That's, um, yeah, that really touches the heart more daddy. Wow. Um, what, what were some of the things that this presented as? I know you were saying loneliness and suicidal ideation. Um, but when you were at that point, like just before your son, son, um, mm -hmm. and how old is he now? He's, he's four and a half. He's turning five in three weeks. Oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, before that, like, I just want to get like a little bit more of a broad sense or maybe not a broad sense, a more granular sense of just like what was so bad that you just felt like ending everything? What was your experience like? What did that loneliness feel like? You know, how did you wake up? What was the day to day? Because that's a very extreme step. And I know mm -hmm. myself included, a lot of men have had at least thought about that when things are really bad. And it takes great courage not to do that. It takes great courage to start doing the work to get better. So what was that moment like before your son said more daddy? Like what was going through your head? And then when he said more daddy and you decided to join this men's group, what sort of shifts mentally, like self-talk or whatever, did you go through? So sort of take us through the, the transition from one mindset to the other. I think here's the thing. Um, when I felt incredibly lonely, um, it's because I didn't really have a lot of supportive people in my life. I didn't have the structure in my life. So the thoughts that I woke up with, and this is the first thought I had every time I opened my eyes for a couple months, probably about a year um, before that more daddy moment. The first thought that came into my, life, into my mind was, I don't want to live anymore. That was it. That's how I started my day. And that's what I carried with me throughout the entire day. And... I think, I think what was in, what what I really struggled with at that point in time was um, a lot of low self-esteem, a lot of self-worth issues, um, and as a result of that, it makes it incredibly difficult to actually reach out and open up. And so, the courageous step of actually going to a men's group and allowing yourself to be seen, right, to be felt and to be heard for your experience, not only opens up that bottled up emotions, thoughts, and feelings. But what it also allows is that you sit in the company of other men who share their experiences. And through their experiences, you learn that you are not alone, that your thoughts and everything that you perhaps have shamed, your feelings and your emotions that you have perhaps have shamed for what it is, is not just yours. It belongs to a bunch of other men as well. And I think that alleviates a lot of pressure 
I think it alleviates a lot of pressure that we that I put on myself in order to be. And when I say to be, it means it's it's a wound that came from my from my childhood as well, where I constantly felt like I needed to be something in order to be loved. Yeah, yeah, I resonate a lot with that. And uh, my co-captain in my own men's group and I were talking about this the other day is simply sitting in the group. If we just sat there for three hours, didn't lead anything, didn't do any processes, maybe you could talk to one another, like that would be medicine for the soul. And you didn't even need to do anything. It's just being with the men and realizing that your story is not necessarily unique. Other people have been there. Other people could feel the same things and other people could just see you and have your back. Like that is a Hmm. profound experience. At least it has been for me. And it sounds like for you as well. And after you joined the men's group, were you able to just like jump in? Was it an immediate sort of thing for you? Or did you sort of sit there and get comfortable? And like what other, what tools allowed you to finally open up and like get that support? Um, I, I kind of jumped into it a little bit, not as much as I could potentially. Um, so it did take some time for me to, to, to get accustomed to it, to, to grow into it. Um, and once I did, it started to become easier and easier every time that I went. So it's just to, just to put a realistic perspective on it, it's, it's not something that I just jumped into and all of a sudden everything is done. Um, I have 35 years of conditioning at that point in time um, and thoughts and, and problems and issues that, that needed to come to the surface. It doesn't happen in one meeting. Um, it happens over a couple. Um, but I think what greatly helped is when I took courageous steps in those meetings to allow myself to be seen to really tell my story um, which was scary really 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 scary to allow myself to truly be seen to be that vulnerable but as soon as I did it allowed other men to open up about their things as well right why do you think it's so hard for us as men to open up like that because of our conditioning to be men you need to be strong, you need to be this, you need to be that, in order to be a man, in, or, in order to be accepted into the world of man. And so it becomes pretty difficult to let the, the shields and the armor down in order for you to truly be seen. And I think a lot of the time that can creep back up as well. So it does creep back up for me from time to time, um, where I feel really vulnerable, that that old pattern of trying to hide myself and trying to figure things out on my own, the, the lone wolf narrative and all of that, it does creep up from time to time. But at least now I know about it. I, I can see it coming and I can, I can interject it with a different way by reaching out. I think it was extremely difficult in the beginning to do that because, um, yeah, Yeah. Do you, do you still, here's, here's a different question. Do you, um, do you feel like a man now that you've opened up and been vulnerable? Like how does your relationship to being a man and feeling that masculinity, um, just because I, I, what I'm thinking here is like a lot of guys have this same, like, Ooh, I don't really want to go there. Like you just said, it was just like a very courageous step to open up. A lot of guys aren't there yet and they're scared just like you said about like, oh, I'm not going to be a man if I show weakness or have feelings. And to me, like having gone through this work and done that, I totally get it. And I've never felt more like a man than to fully own my authentic self, to share everything. Because uh, someone once told me, 
Like, is it hard to sit with the uncomfortable feelings? Like, yeah, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, this sucks. And they're like, well, strong men do hard things. And for me, that was like, wow. So, like, how, how do you feel about it? Do you feel more embodied as a man? Like, what, what is your relationship to masculinity now? I think um, I do feel more like a man now. And it was a journey as well. Um, I think the biggest part of me not feeling safe within myself and not being not feeling authentically expressed was my inability to to accept different parts of myself rejecting those parts and shaming those parts um, is what made me feel less human right less of a man because the the unfortunately our guidance for what it means to be a man isn't really given growing up most of the guidance that i have was um, to be a man is not to be a woman. That, that's it, right? <laughs> and nothing else. And so we kind of reject those, the feminine energies within ourselves. We kind of reject a very big part within ourselves that is absolutely needed in order for us to, to feel whole, in order for us to heal parts as well within ourselves. Right? And we were, we're both made up of both the masculine and the feminine energies. And we oscillate between the two from time to time. And sometimes we're more on the masculine, sometimes more on feminine. But for me to completely reject the feminine energy within myself doesn't help for my healing because I need the feminine energy in order to move through a lot of things in order to feel compassion and all of these nurturing um, things within my life in order to heal myself, in order to completely come home to myself and in order to feel whole, right? And once I feel whole, that's when I started to be able to live authentically, right? The more and more I reject parts within myself, the more and more I can't live authentically, the more and more I accept parts within myself and everything of myself, the more I can live authentically. And that makes it that makes it easier. But what I want to add to that as well is that what makes that journey worthwhile or what makes that journey really easy is if you have a tribe that can support you on that journey. And what I mean by that is when you start to authentically live your truth and bring up these different parts of yourself that you may have rejected in the past, it can get really messy. And if you have a supportive tribe around you that can support you through that, right? that's not going to reject you or abandon you or bring in all of these primal fears of abandonment, that makes it easier because you feel like somebody has your back for who you are not for who you want to be or who they want you to be. It's for who you are. Yeah, that I'm glad you brought that up. That's um, something that I have seen uh, of the people I've talked to on this podcast, of the people who have done the work. One of like the most important themes in their journey has been like doing it with other people because mm -hmm. you can do a lot yourself. And, you know, I, I'm, I sometimes think like, wow, I, I did a lot of good work by myself. I'm pretty good at doing this sort of self-work journey thing. And nothing helped me like joining a men's group and finally opening up to elders and mentors and peers and getting that support. And especially what's coming up for me right now is like this, this nice guy syndrome. If I act a certain way, maybe they'll like me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like the very basis of it. And so breaking that by just being like, here's what's up and feeling the support of guys going like, 
yeah, okay, we still we're still here for you. That's mm-hmm. mind blowing. You know, there's a lot out there. Look at joining a local one in person if possible. Uh, if that's not possible, there's a lot of good online ones as well. And um, as you were talking about like coming home to yourself, I just thought like a lot of this work we think about growth as building, but I'm almost hearing this like dismantling of uh, behaviors and things that you were conditioned in. And that seems to be your journey is like taking away all that crap and finding out who you truly are and then sitting with that and not feeling shame about it. Absolutely. So do you, do you feel the same way about that? Absolutely. Um, the reference that I've used in the past as well, on, on, or at least when I started to see it within myself is the box, the box that I've been conditioned into where I've been told that this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I need to do. Um, that doesn't feel comfortable because it is someone else's box, right? And the more and more I try to fit myself within that box, the more and more I experience anxiety, the more and more I experience depression, the more and more I experience all of these things that doesn't feel good. It's once you realize that that is the conditioning and you need to remove all of these things out of your life and consciously for yourself decide, this is what feels good for me. This is what I believe. This is what I want to do, right? and sit in the integrity of that, that's when you start to realize that doing away with all of these things, I can make my own box and it's not going to look like anybody else's. Love that. Um, next step. And I think I, I, I just want to add as well, I think you mentioned something very important is the, the importance of a tribe. So here's what I also realized. Um, all of this inner work, all of this self-development work is and especially the healing work right is is great you can read these books you can do all of these things in order to try and heal yourself and you can sit in your living room every night and and work and journal and do all of these things but this is why a tribe is very important a lot of the trauma and a lot of the pain that you are experiencing in your current day life is not just you it was because of your environment, because of your relationships growing up, because of the society growing up. And so you learned all of these things, all of these conditioning, all of the pain, all of the trauma, you learned it through relation to others. And the only way that you can heal that is also in relation to others. Thank you for going there. That is such an important point. And I think we'll even touch on that later as we talk about some of the inner child work that's come up for you. Mm. Um, But yeah, understanding that the environment that you came up in, what I like to say is it's not your fault. No. You know, like you've got all of these things, you act certain ways. But for me, my strong belief is that all things are related to trauma. Any, most psychological things, most ticks, most habits, mm-hmm. they're all trauma related, unhealed typically. And in an environment where things are happening to you as children, we simply react. Mm -hmm. Our ego creates defense mechanisms, and then that just is autopilot from then on. And it's as important to know for our children, but it's also important to know for our own journeys, is that we have probably just been reacting our whole lives to something that's stored in the body, that's stored in our memory bank, that doesn't actually affect us anymore. And so 100% environmental factors, it's like... What, what, how can I be intentional now? What parts of my life can I move forward and be intentional rather than having inertia drag me along? So I think that's very important you brought up because I think everyone listening 
can be like, oh, wow, like maybe I could just journal on what I do every day. Why do I do that? I wonder how that feels. How do I feel when I do that? Oh, terrible. Oh, why? Just go into that rabbit hole and, you know, use a coach, use a therapist if you need to. But Hmm. that's been incredibly helpful for me. Just going like, oh, yeah, all of this stuff happened. So um, what I what I wanted to find out more about is after you join the men's group, there's still a lot of change to come in your life from the sounds of it. Uh, so what were those next steps? Did you use any you know, mindfulness tools? Did you take any big steps in your life? How did your progression go? Well, I think um, in isolation, it's very hard to figure out what the potential is for you. It's very hard to figure out what potential you could use in order to help yourself. And so with the men's group, what happened is there was always a lot of suggestions that came out. Why didn't you try this? This has really worked for me. This is how it worked for me. And so that, that really opened up my, my, my view on a variety of different modalities because that's where I got introduced to breathwork. That's where I got introduced to somatic work. That's what I, where I got introduced to a variety of different other things that I could potentially sample in order to learn more about myself and in order to, to heal those parts and, and reconcile those parts within myself. So I think that's why why it was really important for me to do that, just to open my mind to new possibilities. Right, and so you did breath work, and are there anything that you still do today from that period that have been sort of fundamental pieces of your journey? Um, well, obviously a lot of breath work, um, because there's a lot of nervous system regulation that goes into that. Um, stuff that I never knew about but if you start to do inner child work and if you start to work with your anxiety and depression um, trying to regulate your own nervous system is is integral for you to in order to love yourself more in in order to feel safe in order to um, to think a different way to think a little bit more grounded and objective so breath work is is definitely important for me meditation as well Um, can't underrate meditation enough Um, it's something that I did in my teens and then gave it up for like 20 or 15 years. Um, but it is so important. Why it's important is for me to to reconnect to my body. So the meditations that I do are somatic meditations. And so it's, it's, it's a means for me to reconnect to my body because my body has so much information that it's flowing through. Um, more often than not, if I meet another person, I my body reacts or responds to them before my mind does and so I I try to use somatic meditation in order to find out what is going on in my body as a means to get more information about what it needs and um, what I need and how to take better care of myself so that's that is really important as well but then a lot of different other things as well like yoga I mean yoga I never knew could potentially help with the emotional release and flow of stored emotions in the body and so that's something that I embarked on as well. Um, somatic experiencing really helped me to to delve into different feelings in the body as well in terms of what is this? What is this aching feeling in my chest? Where does it come from? Why is it there? And allowing it uh, to speak, allowing it to, to come up and tell me what is what is going on. Um, so it's a, the body is an incredible source of information and I've been trying to rely more and more and more on it in order to feel safe, in order to feel secure, in order to feel grounded, um, and in order to do the work that I do. 
Yeah. Thank you for going into the body. My word for this year has been intuition because Mm -hmm. forever I was just so up in my head that I ignored everything else. And I've gone with my intuition so much this year that you just have to keep practicing. You have to get more aware of how the body feels to do that. And so, yeah, a lot of my own work has been the same thing. It's just like, what does each thing feel like? And then why? Um, One of the other things that you mentioned in your story was that there's a cycle of sort of addictive behaviors. Mm -hmm. And those are extremely hard to get out of, as I'm sure many people know, whether it's addiction to alcohol or drugs, pornography, or as something as seemingly, uh, you know, simple as phone addiction, social media addiction. But how did you navigate that? Because you used it for numbing out, I think you said. And what was that journey like from addictive behavior, um, presumably to to not being like that today? So a lot of those addictive behaviors are stuff that I learned in my teens. So I didn't have the the coping mechanisms or the healthy coping mechanisms in order to um, not really having a a supportive family structure for myself at home, right? loving parents as they were they they weren't able to to provide in my needs and and that that leaves a scar as well because it makes you it makes you question a lot of things it makes you question whether or not you're you're lovable whether or not you're enough and all of these other things and so in order to numb that pain in order to have a sense of belonging in order to um, feel like i am part of something that's where smoking where drinking really became my thing Um, that's where um, porn and isolation and masturbation and all of these things came into play as well and it really helped numb out the feelings of pain but at that point in time I didn't know that that was what I was experiencing um, I know that something wasn't right and I needed to get away from this feeling um, but I didn't necessarily have the necessary support or the insight or the mentorship um, to help me through it to tell me that this is what you are experiencing and this is how to healthy, healthily cope with it. And so that's when it started. And it's been for most of my adult life as well, where um, I realized that what I do is I run. I run away from something, consciously or unconsciously. I run away from something that feels uncomfortable. I run away from something that um, feels like pain, like hurt. And how I do that is I numb out. I numb out through a variety of different things. And the thing is, as soon as you start looking into it, you, you discover that there is a, there's more to it. There's more than just alcohol and drugs and porn and all of these things. Um, you potentially numb out with, like you mentioned, social media, you numb out with TV, you numb out with a variety of different things in order to just feel good in this moment. But the problem is it never lasts. It only lasts for a little bit. And the pain is still there pain you still need to work through and so um, I think my first introduction to to stop numbing out was a um, a semen retention challenge that I did for, for 30 days so there was no social media, no porn no masturbation um, not even sexting, nothing, right? So nothing of the sort was allowed. And the guidance there was to sit with whatever comes up. What is the feeling that comes up? What is the emotion that comes up? 
and to really sit with it in compassion, to really sit with it in, in love, and to really sit with it in awareness so that you can learn more about yourself. Why are these feelings coming up? Why, are, why am I experiencing all of these things now that I have removed this potential numbing agent out of my life? Right? And so focusing my attention on that and focusing my attention on a different mindset is what really helped me to, to let go of my porn addiction completely. Right? And that just set me on a tra trajectory of, well, what about the other numbing agents that I'm using in my life? Now I could potentially employ that same principle on something else and take another step and another step and another step, right? There is great potential for healing and there is great potential for learning more about yourself because that was, that was the one thing that I wanted to do as well. I didn't know who I was a couple of years ago. I wanted to know who I was so that I can stand in the integrity of that. And if I continue numbing that out, I won't never know. I'll never feel fulfilled. I'll never feel satisfied, right? And so gradually taking those steps, step by step, and learning more about yourself and the ability to sit with yourself in empathy and compassion while you're going through it was integral for me in order to do it. And another thing to that is, once again, relation to others. Um, you can't do that alone. A lot of the pain that you're trying to numb is as a result of your relational structures growing up. Right? That's where the, the addictions and numbing out and everything started for me. And so I needed to do it with someone else. And in order for me to not hide away in shame of the addictions and stuff that I have, there needs to be radical honesty. Radical honesty allows yourself to be seen, right? It's where you tackle shame and where you douse the shame. But it needs to be with another person who can meet you with empathy. Because if they can't meet you with empathy, then it just increases the shame. It increases the self-criticism and judgment. And it makes it worse. So integral to that step was radical honesty with where you're at, allowing yourself to be seen for your whole experience, whether or not you feel shame around it, but that being met with empathy so that shame can be doused. And once that shame is doused, that's where you have a more of a sense of belonging. So I feel like I belong to this because even with my shame that I brought to this tribe that's helping me through this thing, even with that shame, I still belong. And I think that was, that was really, really important because that gives you courage to go on. I think the one thing that you mentioned as well as throughout this is courage. Courage, courage, courage. And that's, that's the first principle of the bolder man as well, which is bravery. Courage is looking to your side and knowing that there's somebody that cares. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether you needed an accountability with other men to sort of stop that challenge. Because a lot of guys go like two, three days and then they drop off. But it sounds like it was even more fundamental and important than simply having accountability partners. It was like, I need to know that if I do this, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Because my entire life and a lot of these numbing agents are because of how I feel with other people. And man, that's, that's very insightful. And I think a lot of guys can get, you know, a lot of just establishing what their relationships look like and how they feel in those relationships. Um, did accountability help you or was it just like, I need to do this so badly because I'm feeling so bad. Um, accountability definitely helped because I, um, 
like I said, with the courage thing, uh, bravery also for me doesn't happen in isolation. I'm, I'm braver if there is somebody who I know has my back. I have more courage that way as well. And so accountability definitely helps because it feels like you're not alone on the journey. And that's the most important part. You struggled with addictions because you're trying to have a sense of belonging initially and then it takes a hold of your life. And now if you let that go, you need to have that sense of belonging again. And that's why accountability is so important. Yeah, thank you. What happened after that? I know there is even more life changes for you, including divorce. Mm -hmm. What were the next sort of steps beyond men's group, starting to do these healing modalities, um, letting go of some of these numbing behaviors? Um, Was the divorce sort of around that time as well? Yeah, the divorce was around that time. There was a job loss around that time as well. There was a there was a lot of losses, and I think the what what the divorce really highlighted for me was um, I am a recovering nice guy. Um, the divorce really highlighted that for me, and um, drain. Um, I think that really highlighted the fact that I don't know who I am. So. There was a lot of things that happened all at once. And I think that's why it was so incredibly important for me to reach out as well, to find accountability, to find support. How do you make a decision to stop a marriage? Because, you know, you you could wake up and try and grow together and all this kind of stuff. What was it for you that you knew like there was no hope? I think there's there's a couple of things that led up to the end of the marriage, but um, a a discovery that another person does not want to heal with you or does not want to grow with you that that kind of makes the decision for you, right? Um, when the love and the compassion and the empathy starts to wither away because somebody can't see you for the struggles that you're going through or for the um, changes that you are trying to embrace um, that that makes it really hard to continue I know that in the beginning all of us stand at the altar and we say that this is going to be forever Um, the fact of the matter is that for me that if you can find somebody who can heal with you and who are willing to heal their own things within themselves right, so that they can see and they can understand and have compassion then it really helps Um, But more often than not, or a lot of the times, we are completely blind to our conditioning. We're completely blind to our traumas and the stuff that drives us subconsciously. Um, So it needs to be somebody who has become become awoke to that. And I have to say I'm very lucky I have found that person now who's done her own work, um, who has really delved into her own healing. So even speaking very deeply about these thoughts, feelings, and stuff that's going on, um, it can be met with somebody who completely understands and can, has embodied it in her own life as well. And I think that, that really helps. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been married almost 10 years now, and I was extremely lucky that we have grown together rather than apart because I can only see so many examples of this. One person grows, one person doesn't, and then there's literally no connection. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you found someone right now. Thank you. So congratulations. <laughs> um, I We haven't touched a lot on fatherhood yet. So mm. I want to make sure that before we get there, is there anything else that sort of led from that, all this change 
to now? Is there any important story, modality, um, anything that happened over the last couple of years to finish off sort of your personal growth story uh, that would be helpful to go into now? Let's let's move on to the dad stuff. Okay. Yeah, this is um, what I would love to know is how were you as a father at first, not having done any of this work? And then like take us through a, a bit of the same story again, but like as a father now, because man, my kids started out when I hadn't done any of this work, triggering the hell out of me. And they were also my literally my biggest teachers in all of this. So I'd love to hear how that went for you from sort of becoming a dad to now. I absolutely agree with you 100% on that. In the beginning, he was my biggest trigger, right? And um, before I did work, I didn't know that triggers are actually insights into ourselves, stuff that we need to learn about ourselves, stuff that we can bring out and heal and, and change. So it was just, it, it kind of felt like an opposing force, me trying to be a great dad, um, trying to, trying continuously trying right and that not being made so it felt like an, an opposing force and then com- a lot of heartache as well at the same time because it's this little person that i brought into the world that i feel so much love for but i can't really deeply connect with him and it took me some time to discover this or figure this out but i think that the huge change point in that in my own healing as well was when i did when i started to do inner child work because I've been so completely disconnected from that. So also learned that was really important for me is as I'm doing the work and I'm trying to get rid of the conditioning and the beliefs and all of these things that was imparted to me of who I am and what I need to like. And as I'm trying to get rid of all of these things, I started to realize that my greatest gift to my son is to allow him to fully be who he is and appreciate him for who that is. And in order for me to do that, that means that I need to meet him every day where he is at. I need to meet this new person, right? It's not about me trying to impose what I want him to be or what experiences I want him to have. It's putting the experiences in front of him and then seeing whether or not he enjoys it or not. So I needed to make that shift in my mindset so that I don't accidentally impose things on him that's going to create a box for him as well exactly and i feel so seen by you just sharing that right now because my experience was so similar um (laughs) when we're doing this work for me at least it really gave me a perspective of okay wow i'm both doing my own work and probably causing wounds in my child that i don't even know about And so the way that I've been thinking about it lately is that I have had to do the work and I like to consider myself and the work that we do as generational chain breaking, really. We're breaking the chain of generational trauma so that we don't pass it on to our kids. And we will no doubt give them their own trauma. For me, I had to find out what trauma was, figure out why I hurt, learn tools to do something about it, use the tools to build stuff, learn the tools to take away all this conditioning my goal now as a father is to understand that I will 100% create a father wound in my children. But unlike me, who didn't even know the tools were exist, existed, 
and had to build them and find them and all the rest, I want to at least impart tools that they can use to work through that. So seeing them, like you said, as their mm-hmm. whole self, so they don't get that sort of internal shame, allowing them to see me meditate, do breath work, speak to them compassionately and with empathy, all of these things. And man, sometimes it's hard. There's so much going on when you're trying to do your own work and trying not to screw up your kids and trying to love them. So like, how do you balance all of the stuff you're doing for yourself and then showing up like as the dad you want to be. So you mentioned something really important there, um, the trauma and knowing that you are going to pass on trauma or you, there is a potential that you're going to cause trauma in your child, no matter how good you are or trying your best, there is a potential for it. And to me, it makes total sense. This is a completely different human being, right? different needs. Um, you're trying to figure out what their needs are, not necessarily always knowing, but from the outside in, I could have lived in a wonderful home growing up with wonderful, loving parents to someone else. But for me, that wasn't the case. And so there is trauma that you could potentially pass on to your kid. But what I think is really important, that is what you're doing as well is showing them your authentic self and imparting some of the tools that you have learned to deal with your own trauma, which will enable them to deal with theirs as well. I think that is an integral thing. Just the tools that you learn, imparting them as well. You mentioned something about a a transitional... um, I can't remember what what did you refer to it as transitional... The chain breaking? Oh, the chain breaking. Is that... Is that, what you're, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's what I'm referring yeah. to. Bra- breaking the chains of generational trauma. Breaking the chains of generational trauma. And um, that's what we do. That's something that we do at the, the Boulder Man as well. So we, we, we try to cultivate transitional characters. And a transitional character is somebody who has decided that um, they're going to break. Or they're, gonna, they're a transitional character for their um, lineage, right? So certain stuff is going to end here with me and I'm not going to pass it on to my future, right? And in order to do that, I need to do the work. In order to do that, I need to come home. In order to do that, I need to heal. That's the way that I become a transitional character for my lineage. And so that's what we do at the Boulder Man as well. And so when you say trying to balance the tools and all of these things that you've learned, um, I think that's why it's incredibly important for my child or for my son to see me exactly who I am in any given moment. So my son has seen me cry. My son has seen me um, angry. My son has seen me explain or display a variety of different emotions and and thoughts and feelings. But I think what, what is really important for my relationship with my son is that I explain to him what is going on with me. that I deal with it in a way to um, enlighten him or to teach him that this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be a man. As a whole, I'm going to experience all of these things. And it doesn't make me good or bad or any of these other labels that I could potentially put on myself. It makes me human. And this is how I deal with it. This is how daddy meditates. This is how daddy sits in the mornings and makes sure that he's calm and have a, a morning routine. This is how daddy 
takes care of his own body by making sure that there's nutritious meals and go out to for exercise and go out into nature and I think in the I've 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 adopted a strategy in the beginning as well as that whatever I do he does so I have him 50% of the time because we're divorced but whatever I do he does so on the days that I have him that's where I would like to go out on into nature and take him with so he's done a couple of hikes as well and he's only five years old so um, I take him with me so that he can have the same experience and the same tools as well but then also allowing for his freedom of expression so um, allowing him to say what it is that he wants to do so that he can experience new things I think that really opens it up to me as well because if he says that he wants to go and do a certain thing and I, my initial response is like Ugh, I don't want to do that that is a potential for him to introduce something to my inner child, which may bring out something fun within me. So it's just allowing myself and going with the flow sometimes as well. Mm, I love that reframe. I have to use that personally because there are times indeed when you're like, oh, no, not that. <laughs> but thinking about it as a way to like open your own inner child up, man, I, that's a very helpful reframe. So thank you. Um, would you say you have a general parenting style? Like what... What comes up to you as uh, a goal for parenting, whether that's a long-term goal or a daily goal or a moment-by-moment goal? How do you approach parenting now? Um, I approach parenting now from the perspective of getting to know my son constantly. Like it's a new human being that's been invited into my life. Because there was a period of time um, where I really struggled internally with my own things and I felt like I felt more disconnected from him. And when I came out of that, I started to ask him questions. I'm like, what's your favorite color? What is your favorite teacher? What's this? What's that? And it was almost like a first date again. I'm like, I don't want to lose that feeling with him. I want to constantly get to know him. Right, that's how he's going to know that I'm there to support him. I am there to be with him and help him. So that's my parenting style. Yeah, that being curious like that has been so helpful, and asking good questions as well. Um, I think there's a real opportunity for dads and parents in general to really get to know their children, like you're talking about, just by asking better questions. Because we default to "How's your day? Good." Okay, and then what? It's and like, what? I like to ask my kids, what was the funnest thing that happened today? Who was funniest at school today? What was the thing that made you most fearful today? Like just getting them to go deeper than just yes, no, good, bad. Hmm. Those are great questions. And just figuring out like, yeah, I assume that his favorite color is red, but what if it changed? Like, what does he like about that? You know, getting super curious is so good. And it just builds this relationship as if he's a whole human, which newsflash, your children are full humans and they are their own humans and treating them like that it can be revolutionary because i didn't think that before i was like "Uh, well when he's big enough i'll just parent him later i can't wait till i can do stuff that he can learn from me and it's like no he's learning from me this whole time and i can be learning from him Mm. so all right um was there anything else in terms of like parenting or your um your transition i guess from pre- more daddy and I just man it's so nice to have this like one little thing that triggered everything um is there anything else along there parenting wise fatherhood wise that has helped you either as a father 
feeling like uh, a man and a father or as a parent to him. I think um, I can be incredibly hard on myself. I have been my entire life. And one of the things is um, to realize that the experiences that I want to have for him isn't necessarily the experiences that he is going to want to have. Um, if I can show up with empathy and compassion and I can be there for him, um, I've done 80% of my job. And so changing my perspective from wanting to mold this little individual into something into being there for another human being that is growing up has greatly helped me. So let's talk about the Boulder Man a little mm. bit. Um, when did this come into your life? What is it? What do you guys do? I would love to just learn more. Awesome. Thank you. So the Boulder Man is something that happened probably now about it's a year and a half ago. That's when it really started. And um, my business partner and I, and we'll probably be on here for another podcast as well so we can speak about the Boulder Man, is, his name is Matt. Him and I joined the men's group at the same time, became friends, um, supported each other through divorce because he was going through divorce at the same time as well. Um, I think he got divorced about four or maybe five months before me and then I happened. So we were right by each other's side throughout that entire thing. And let me tell you, that's not a fun ride, but it's way better if there's somebody next to you. And so in the end... Um, that's where the Boulder Man originated from. It's us going through all of these internal work, wanting to change ourselves, wanting to accept ourselves, wanting to get rid of our conditioning so that we can be authentically ourselves. Um, and as we're going through the journey, we discover that, well, this is what our calling is because it doesn't just relate to what we're experiencing now. It relates to who we were growing up. It relates to our why. It relates to a very, very deep emotional connotation for us. Um, for how we came into who we are in this present moment. And so that is our way of being of service to men. Um, it's through mentorship, it's through coaching, it's through retreats, it's through all of these other things to help them be a transitional character in their lineage, um, to change the trajectory, to change the trajectory of their lineage, right? The man who wants to say that I don't feel fulfilled, I feel stuck, I feel conditioned into a box and I can't take this anymore and at that point decide that they're going to change. Right? And not so much change but more coming to their own. And so a lot of the work that we've done as well as through um, is with mental health um, communities where we support Tether for Men out of Toronto for instance and um, that has been integral for my own journey as well, struggling with mental health and then being able to give back. So once you've, once you've learned these skills and you've learned this knowledge and um, you, you, you start to reach a point where you want to give back, you want to be of service to others, who you can see is going through the same thing. I think for Matt and I, the thing was we needed to really see and feel our pain. Because right? once we were able to do that, now we can see it in others. And once we were able to heal from it, now we can help others as well. 
Yeah, that is exactly what happened to me as well. I think the 12th step in Alcoholics Anonymous, the step program, is that you basically can't help but you know give this information out to people because it's changed your life so much that's not the exact wording obviously but i felt the same thing it's like this is so life-changing like if you just knew how bad i felt and now you realize like how good i feel like why shouldn't everyone have access to this and so that's also the point of the podcast and the dad work project as well um it's just like yeah please learn this here's the tools do something with it because your life could change for the better in a way that you have no idea i mean you from suicidal thoughts to connecting with a partner to building this business to being grounded and doing breath work like I bet you never would have imagined four or five years ago being where you are now and it's possible absolutely not I did not imagine it there was no future for me and now there is a massive one Mm-hmm. That's so it's such a hopeful message. And I love that you were able to share that because um, for me, I'm an optimist with everything, except when it came to my own mental health a few years ago, like the darkest part of my journey. It was the same sort of thing. I was going, my kids and wife would be better off without me because I'm treating them so poorly. I knew the statistics of what happened to kids with fathers that were absent. And I still thought I'm so bad that they'd be better off without me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, going from that and growing from that, like, man, it's so hopeful that this can be done because I thought it was hopeless and it turns out it's not. So whatever you're going through, if you're listening to this and it's super dark right now, and there's always hope as you've just heard with Jason's story and my own story. So don't give up. Uh, Jason, is there anything else you want to cover here? Um, this has been like one of my favorite conversations we've had because you are so grounded and vulnerable that I'm just learning a ton. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to depart with before we go on to where people can find you? Uh, Kurt, there's, there's nothing else. This was a really great discussion with you and I, I really appreciate it. It was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So where can people find you and The Boulder Man? Well, they can find us at The Boulder Man on Instagram, on on the internet, they can find us at theboulderman.com or .ca. Sorry, we're in Canada. We're based in Vancouver. Um, but on Instagram, they can find us at theboulderman. And boulder is spelled B-O-U-L-D-E-R. Boulder is an acronym for bravery, objectivity, understanding, love, discipline, empathy, and resilience. Mm, man, that's perfect. I love it. Okay, well, men, if you are looking for coaching, retreats, support on your transitional journey uh, into being a chain breaker of generational trauma, check out the Boulder Men. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Kurt. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.